Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Over 13,000 on hand at Assembly Hall last night to watch second-ranked Indiana beat number 5 Iowa 87-78. Fourth win for Indiana against top 10 teams. The Hoosiers now 23-1, and 13-1 overall. And Terry Moran, the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers, joins us now. Congratulations, Coach. Man, what a great great game last night. And the atmosphere, it, mm. was, uh, it was phenomenal. Killing Could you have ever imagined playing in front of that or coaching a game in front of that kind of atmosphere? Well, thank you guys for having me. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been my first. You know, we uh, in 2018 set a attendance record when we uh, won the WNIT championship here um, and we had a little over 13,000 but um, you know I, I think this year is a little bit different because we've we've been able to um, you know yet last night wasn't just the first you know of course it was a new record but um, you know I think back to the North Carolina game and mm. uh, the Maryland game and you know some of the other Ohio State game uh, you know that we've had here in the hall and uh, there's been a, a lot of fans uh, that's turned out to watch this uh, this team play. So uh, it's it gives us great energy. You know, our kids obviously love uh, you know playing in the hall with our our crowd behind us. Um, you know, it's they as our kids always say, it's like having another uh, you know teammate out there um, because just of the energy level. So um, it was great. It was a great game. It was great for women's basketball. Certainly great for the Big Ten, and uh, most importantly, it was great for our program. Coach, your old neighbor here, Dane Fife. Hi, Dane. First of all, thank you for coming on. Uh, hey, so I watched the game start to finish last night, and um, we can do the coach speak and the X's and O's, but I I text your assistants this morning. I, I really am just so impressed with how hard your players play. And the question is, is – we there's a there's a big uh you talk about purdue and coach painter and he gets purdue kind of kids and i'm sure i'm certain you get iu kind of kids but how do you how do you get your kids to play so dang hard and and a lot of coaches would even ask you that would would love to hear your answer besides this former coach well i i appreciate that um and I know our kids um, in, would enjoy hearing that as well because I do think it's in the recruiting. Um, you know, Dane, when we started here nine years ago and, and there was really no, you know, this program was not, not very relevant. was in I the tank. Did. Yeah. Correct. Um, you know, I, I think we've always – and maybe it's me and my blue collar, you know, uh, upbringing and, you know, just work was – what are my parents, you know, talk to my sister and my brother and I about all the time. And it's, it's really easy. I mean, if, you know, there's no secret sauce or magic pill, you know, to success, it's, it's all in the work. And, um, you know, and so I, you know, I tried to build that into our mentality as we were building our program. Like, you know, we are the underdog, we got to play with our chip. Nobody respects us. 
Um, and we're going to have to do things that won't show up in a stat sheet. Um, you know, we're going to have to be the team that's willing to, to uh, be aggressive and make the hustle plays and make and, and focus and, you know, just be tougher than, than the opponent, uh, get to the 50-50 balls, rotate to get a charge, mm-hmm. uh, you know, make all the winning plays, the things that um, don't show up in that stat sheet. And, um, and then, you know, I have a great staff that uh, we are – we speak the same language, and, and, and Kevin, my strength coach, speaks the same language. We deliver the same message to our kids day in and day out. Uh, they understand in order to thrive here, uh, you have to love the work, and you have to to be willing to do uh, more than 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 required. And um, and we've managed to find those kind of kids, but it takes you know kids the buy-in first and you have to have great leadership and we've had some some really you know good leaders uh you know tyra bus and amanda cahill when they were here and then Allie patberg and brenna wise you're not going to find two tougher kids than Allie and brenna mm-hmm. um and and then you know that just uh it resonates in your locker room then to the kids like the grace burgers and the mckenzie homes um, you know, and in, in, in doing the work is is become a lifestyle around here. It's it's not a uh, you know a sign on the wall. It's right. it's what we do, and um, and I love that. And and you yeah. know the other thing too is if you're going to hang your hat on the defensive side of the ball, you have to have some toughness, some mm-hmm. moxie, some grittiness to you. Um, you know, and. Um, Sure enough, you know, we've been able to establish ourselves as, you know, one of the the better, uh, you know, defensive teams in the big uh, consistently. And, um, yeah, that can come in your schemes, but it really comes in your heart and your hustle and your determination and, you know, that toughness piece that, uh, you know, we've always managed to play with. And, um, you know, I think that's that's where it comes from. And we we do. We challenge them every day and we, we hold their feet to the fire and, um, that's the only way that, um, like I said, you, you can thrive here because, um, you know, we, uh, we, the standards are what they are here and uh, we don't compromise and we don't lessen the standards for, from our, from our stars to, you know, the, the 13th, 14th player on the bench. There's yeah. expectations then the same for all of them. You know, it's funny cause we just had Steve Alford on and he was talking about how coach Knight after what Steve would deem, I, I thought I played well, and then I'd come in, and, and Coach Knight would light me up, and I can maybe, uh, you know, I, I can foresee maybe after beating the number two team, um, you, you might have those same thoughts of, okay, how are we gonna, how are we gonna be in this next practice, and am I gonna have to address some things? Am I have to gonna have to climb into them a little bit? You know, there's the things that go through a coach's head, but I, I wanted to shift gears a little bit, Coach. Uh, my 13-year-old's favorite player is Mackenzie Holmes, and my 9-year-old's favorite player is Grace Berger. And the one – I love Mackenzie Holmes. I think – I don't know this, but it looks like your team has really taken on what I would say is her personality, um, her fight, her grit. Maybe it was Pat Berg the year before. I don't know. But I want to talk about Grace Berger because – I see your team. I've watched your team with her, and when she got hurt, without her, and now with her again. And I see your team just, I see your team still having a, the ability to grow leaps and bounds because I, I, can't, I, I forget how many games that Grace Berger was out, but I still see your team able to continue to grow together 
and grow mm-hmm. upward. Do you feel that sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, every coach wants to know they got a high ceiling, but do you feel yeah, the I, sense that you guys have still have a lot of room to grow and in a good oh, way? Yeah, I mean, there's no question. You know, um, when you were talking about Steve and Coach Knight, I mean, I just got done watching our game from last night, and mm-hmm. I'm I got a about six or seven, you know. Uh, pages of notes, right? That I can't wait to get back and film and film all the all the things that we have to clean up right. and be better at, and yeah. and so you know that's that's where the proof is. You know, the evidence is you show up the next day and you have to go into film, and you got to see all those shortcomings, you know, that we had, and uh, and then you keep you continue to challenge them, right? Mm-hmm. We, there's so much room. Uh, for us to improve, uh, so much room for us to be better. Wow. Uh, and when we can figure some of these things out, you know, just think of, you know, again, you know, always trying to, you know, the, the ceiling is high for this group. But, um, you know, we have a daunting task ahead of us. Our schedule is not nice to us, no, you know, down not. the stretch here. Um, and, um, you know, this is a group that's been really great at um, really just uh, sort of having the blinders on. I mean, we we enjoyed last night, and then, you know, t- today's a day off, and then come tomorrow uh, we'll watch film. We'll show them the good, the bad, the ugly, and then we got to move on to a really, really good Ohio State team. But, um, you know, I will say this, Dane. Grace is, has been our leader. Uh, we, we hopefully, you know, and Mac is, Mac is a different type of leader. I mean, her yeah. personality is a little bit right. different competitive yes but uh, grace Berger is probably the uh most inc- competitive uh stubborn-headed player i've ever coached mm-hmm. um in the sense that uh she just um you know uh loves to loves to compete loves to win uh she's she's really hard on herself uh her expectations are high for herself and her teammates um, she's been a, you know, even when she was out, you know, terrific leader, I think for yeah. some of those other guys, uh, that had to step out, uh, up in a big way. But, you know, one of the things we've been blessed with is, you know, we're, we're a pretty mature team. We're a veteran team, right. even the new, the new guys, right. Oh, yeah. There were seven yeah. holdovers. There were seven new guys, uh, Sydney Parrish and Sarah Scalia, they yeah. played a lot of college minutes, you know, at, on the big time stage. Sure did. Um, and so adding them to the mix has, has been great. And then Yarden Garzon, who's a freshman, but good, good Lord, she's pot, probably has the most wisdom of all of us, you know. Um, mm-hmm. She just plays within herself, um, makes big shots. She's not afraid of big moments. Wow. Um, and, um, and so we have, you know, a really – uh, you know, just a combination of not, you know, obviously different personalities, different competitive natures, but uh, at the end of the day, they are unselfish. They want to play pretty basketball. They want to guard hard. Um, they enjoy, I think, playing with each other. They trust each other. They realize that, hey, if it's not Max Knight, maybe it's Grace's night. If it's not Grace's night, maybe it's Sydney's night, mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. And so, um, you know they've they've been enjoyable to coach, but to say that um, I don't know that any coach is going to get on your show and say, yeah, we're we're we've arrived, we figured right. it all out. We're far <laughs> from that. Yeah. Uh, and trust me, I remind them of that every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, we still we still have a lot of room to improve. Yeah. Yeah. IU basketball coach Terry Morin, the number two ranked Hoosiers, beat fifth ranked Iowa, eighty seven seventy eight. Another big win I thought you had last night was when I saw Lynn Dunn, who's as Purdue tried and true as they come, wearing an Indiana sweatshirt. 
yeah, after the game. Yeah, I mean, that- <laughs> she's been, uh, yeah, she's been dangling that out. You know, like she told me the last time. So she came on uh, to see us play against Maryland. Uh, and she and I text back and forth a lot, but at the Maryland game, she had said, you know what? I, I bought an Indiana shirt or a sweatshirt. And I, I, I said, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And, uh, so she ended up coming to the Purdue game. She and Christy, I think. And I said, you're going to wear your Indiana shirt. And she said, I'll get ran out of town if I do that. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, hopefully maybe the next time I get to see you, you'll have, you'll, you'll show up and I'll be darned if she didn't last night. So, um, you know, really, really great to see coach, uh, there. And she's been so supportive of, you know, what I've, what we're doing here at Indiana and I'm glad that she's back part of that franchise I think that uh, you know now that she's uh, sort of going to help with the leadership over there I think they'll get that thing back on track really mm-hmm. fast well you've done a great job I've got a daughter that's uh, in full transparency I've got a daughter it's a junior at Indiana she enjoys going to the women's games as much as she enjoys going to the men's games and I think we've seen that from the support that you guys have received and and to watch it on television last night it, it came across uh, you could really see uh, the and feel the emotion and the intensity of the game and and it's because of the way your team plays it's Indiana basketball yeah, you you've earned it and um, just uh, couldn't is. be happier for you and I, I tell you what I might put this one up on the wall doing the work has become a lifestyle I love that coach uh, very well said congratulations on the big win last night thank you very much we appreciate it thank you coach All right. uh, the uh, the Hoosiers play at Ohio State on Monday and then home against Michigan and Purdue and then finish up at Iowa before the Big Ten tournament. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Kevin Bowen from The Morning Show with uh, Kevin and Jake Query was uh, at the game last night. We bring him in. Kevin, uh, I thought a despite the 17 turnovers from Purdue, which I know uh, Matt Painter couldn't and shouldn't be happy about i thought despite that uh, purdue played a pretty solid game last night what was your impression of the way the boilermakers bounced back from that loss at indiana yeah good afternoon guys i would say bounce back certainly the freshman right out of the gate i think Braden smith and fletcher lawyer had their first 10 and that just set the tone you know i, I remember looking up at the scoreboard at one point probably eight minutes ago in the game and purdue's up 12, and they were really up double figures throughout. And Zach Eady had four points. Mm. Uh, so I think that's a great sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly late, you know, I think some of those turnovers came from the old press issues that yeah. Yeah. we saw last year. And it's just, gosh, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, these are way too smart of basketball yeah. players to be this poor against the press. So certainly some coaching points there. But again, Braden Smith, outstanding. I, I always enjoy, like, that was my first game at Mackey this season. So, obviously, the Purdue fans have watched Purdue play for, you know, whatever, 15, 20 home games this year. And the urge when Braden Smith gets ready to shoot it, like, they all want him to shoot it. You, yeah. you can tell the fan base, like, believes in him. Matt Painter was pretty adamant about it afterwards. And uh, Braden listened and uh, had a career night. But KB, it's kind of like the way, if you sat in here, the way Vince is encouraging me to speak and ask questions. He really wants to be the guy that gets me to break out and really 
be part of my I'm trying to get you to be better. You know, I mean, you know, dig deep. Vince you know, encourages me to ask questions. <laughs> I, I choked. I just told him, I, and I sent Steve Alford a text. I choked. I choked. I got nervous. It was number twelve. <laughs> I'm not as nervous with you. And granted, I've talked to you before on air. And uh, yeah. let me well, ask you this: I, To be fair, I don't have the same resume. And if I could point out, Dane, um, I did notice. You know, you you sent out a pre-show tweet today. Did I get? Did I, I do it? Was, did I do any good, or did I hurt the show? I mean, how was it? I, I thought it was very informative. I did notice, you know, several great guests, as you pointed yeah. out. I think yeah. you mentioned Steve Alford in the yeah. tweet. I think you mentioned the number two ranked uh, Indiana Hoosiers Terry, and Terry yeah. Morin on the show. Bo Borowski, who yeah. was a great individual. Yeah, um, have certainly enjoyed some some days and nights with yeah. with Bo. Um, I, I didn't see any mention of myself, so I know I'm sounding yeah, a little bit geez. like my co-host here. I choked. With the ego check, but you know, well, I just, maybe that's an area where we could. We well, could he got the big mention on the uh, telecast of the Purdue Iowa game last night, so he's feeling pretty good I, about I himself. I am feeling you know, good about myself. Reese Davis, you know, mentioned the Dane Fife yeah. show. I you felt, know, yeah. on uh, showed on up the air. a little yeah. late. They're supposed to be yeah. here at eleven forty. Showed up eleven forty-five. Yeah. Asked yeah. where my parking pass was. I'll tell you this: um, <laughs> the Dane Fife show. I got to go back and watch the game now to yeah. hear that. And the reason why I didn't pub you up is because you weren't my invite. Now I, I'm honored to have you on, and I I would have thought of you if if Jimmy or Vince hadn't, but um, you weren't you weren't technically my invite. So I figured sure. Jimmy would be pubbing you up. Uh, Jimmy and I have a great a great relationship. I uh, I forgot to say to Jimmy, good luck to his Chiefs. Although I'm not picking the Chiefs, Jimmy's, but I guess publicly I will say good luck to his Chiefs. Jimmy's Chiefs are getting their butts kicked. Jimmy's got his Mahomes jersey with the dorky Super Bowl. What what Super Bowl is it? Fifty seven. Is that the current one or the previous one? Oh no, the, one? The, this is this is the one they won. The fifty sevens this weekend. The, I mean, Jimmy has been arrogant for the last two days, just walking around, looking like a true Lions fan. Dorky Super Bowl logo, nineteen fifty nine, pal. Hey, um, <laughs> I love hearing people's impressions of 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 the arenas, the the places. You were at Mackey last night. Um, you're a big Notre Dame guy. You know, I, the Joyce Center is kind of similar to Mackey, don't you think? Is it still the Joyce Center? Well, uh, it is Purcell Pavilion. I, there you, you go. You certainly are doing a nice job if you're trying to butter up to Jack Swarbrick there and say it's similar to Mackey. <laughs> from, a, from an atmosphere standpoint, I can't think of two drastically different environments. Uh, but I, similar I in shape. Sure. Okay, yeah. A bowl-like shape, Round. if you will. Um, yeah. Your architectural. There. Uh... The court is rectangular <laughs> at both places. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Gene Hackman, for that. Um, that, that Norman Dale, pal. Stop. I mean, I, in being inside of Mackey last night, there's a bit of like of a Lambeau feel to it for me. Like, if anybody's been to Lambeau, there's not a lot of corporate nature. Yep the Lambo at all and I get that way and certainly I mean I, I don't know I feel like every time you make a Purdue comment or an IU comment you have to vice versa with the other building yeah. I get a similar feel when I'm in Assembly Hall obviously uh-huh. the structure is much much different I was fortunate right. to be at the game on Saturday and totally different uh, but boy Mackey is just not a bad seat whatsoever right. and that crowd you know locked in ready to go nobody's showing up late to that seven o'clock tip and Again, when the freshmen start like they do and Purdue gets on the floor like they did, it's going to be one of the best environments in college basketball. You know, you can kind of you can kind of tell if you're if you've been paying any attention. Um, 
that that it looks like Matt Painter kind of said, "Hey, Braden, let's go. Time to turn it on." Kind of like, you know, Rocky Four. The the Russians uh, trainer would say, "Okay, time to time to mangle this guy." You know, and he'd drop his arm like he's for all you race fans out here, Vince, like he's dropping the hammer. But he he essentially what it looked like last night is Matt Painter probably had a little bit of a talk with Braden Smith and said, "Hey." I believe in you. I got faith in you. You go out and and quit worrying about um, necessarily involving the rest of your teammates. You know, when you see an open opportunity, attack because you're as good of a scorer as as many people on the floor. Last night, I think we saw Braden, a, a new Braden Smith, and the scoring Braden Smith, along with the guy that that you know controls the game with his ability to handle the basketball. Yeah, I thought you saw a little sectional eight Braden Smith last Ooh, night. Okay, a, okay. Uh, you know, I know I'm not coming out of the game, and it's, I don't yep. think he took like you know ill advice. No, he didn't. Means, he didn't. But he just he took the looks that I was going to go under a few screens, and I'm going to make you pay. And you think about the shots he got on Saturday in Bloomington. I felt like I, I forget what he was one of seven, one of eight, something like that. I felt like a lot of that was really floaters or shots at the rim. I mean, he was he does such a great job of yeah. you know getting to the basket. Whereas last night, I thought I mean he certainly made some plays around the hoop, but I thought more yeah. of it was perimeter oriented. And and now is that just another threat on the scouting report? I think we all knew he could. Do that, no question. But, you know, showing that does that make teams pause a little bit? And you know, again, you've brought up the the Notre Dame thing. Mike Bray in defense tends to be a bit of an optional thing for him. <laughs> he has always been a huge proponent of when we play a legit big, we're not doubling that big because I can live with twos. I can't live right. with giving up threes. Yeah, I like that. And I so like I think that. that will be something that. You know, if Lawyer and Braden Smith continue to do that and, you know, some of those others knock down open shots, it'll be a huge, huge dilemma for the Purdue opponent night in, night out. The one thing that I got to believe that uh, Painter was not pleased with was the way uh, Purdue handled the ball at times against the press of Iowa. Purdue turned it over 17 times last night. And, and Dane, you were talking a little bit about uh, with uh, Coach Morin uh, about, uh, you know, coaches always find things, even on an impressive win, coaches always find things that uh, they want to address with the team. Terry Morin said she had six pages of notes from Correction. Uh, the game that she seven, wants to seven, yeah, seven pages, pages of notes that she's got uh, to go over after a, a nice win over Iowa. So I'm guessing that that's going to be a point of emphasis yeah. for Purdue. But what do you see as the issue with Purdue against the press? Not all the time, but uh, at times, and of course, uh, at times last night. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, again, I, I haven't noticed the press too much uh, outside of last year uh, yeah. until last night. It just seemed like there are moments where everyone wanted to get it to Braden. And it's like, hey, others can dribble. Others can make a pass and a look ahead. And, I mean, Ethan Morton and Fletcher Lawyer are really intelligent. And it was almost like, you know, we were all back in third grade. And it was like, get the ball to the point guard every single time to bring the ball up. And it was like, you know, you can go ahead and attack the press and maybe try and get some numbers the other way. I did think, I, I don't know how much of it was personnel-based, but, you know, maybe there was a point where, Instead of having a first out there, like Caleb first, maybe you put like David Jenkins in the game or just throw another ball handler in there, that guy a little bit more comfortable bringing it up. Right. Uh, but still, like I said earlier, I just that, that, that team is way too smart to have yeah. had the issue. And I don't think we look at Iowa and we think it's 
you know, Shaka Smart and that press. Well, and that's a, that's a lot of that, that, and I don't want to interrupt you, but I just did. I think a lot of that, KB, is the fact that there's Big Ten doesn't press, you know, other than mm-hmm. you might see a little Maryland man-to-man, but the Big Ten doesn't press, and what that means is you really don't have a chance to see a press. For, you don't have a chance to work on it. You don't work on it in practice because you never see it in the league, with exception to Iowa. And then even Iowa, once you break that press a couple times, they lay off, and it just so happened, you know, unless they're trying to get back in the game, uh, which happened you know, last night. But um, I think it's it's a valid point, and, and it led to a couple ill-advised, more than a couple ill-advised turnovers. But well, and you know, as a as a coach, other coaches are watching yeah, those games yeah, too and they yeah. say oh maybe if there's one area that Purdue yeah. struggles with a little right. bit it's if we press them um you know Iowa scored 14 points yeah. off those 17 turnovers and that you know and in, in a sense that's getting a little bit nitpicky because Purdue uh, it was a you know a very good win I was and you got to give a lot of that credit to Iowa but yeah. at the same time Purdue had 17 turnovers Iowa had eight yeah and I know from a coach's standpoint that's going to be, you know, that's in his crawl this but the morning. Other, I'm the guessing. other issue is when you're down 20, 25, or whatever yeah. I was down, it's a lot easier to take risks. Yeah. They were down 21 at one yeah. point. And yeah. it's a lot easier yeah. to take risks. Yeah. And then the letdown with young players, there's there's usually letdown when, you know, you, it, it's hard to step on somebody's neck, you know, when, you, when you've got young players or when you have those big leads, especially with young teams. And that's something another good growing pain that Purdue needs to overcome. With uh, Braden Smith, 24 points and five assists, uh, the 17 from Fletcher Lawyer, Zach Eady, the double-double, 14 points, 14 boards. Uh, maybe one of the things that uh, some will overlook was the play of Caleb First last night, and I think he just gave uh, uh, terrific minutes, didn't miss a shot, five of five from the floor in, in about, uh, I don't know, 23 or 24 minutes, uh, 11 points and 10 rebounds. And when a guy that, you know, may not get the ink, and then when you look at it and he had a double-double and didn't miss a shot, uh, pretty impressive from uh, what Purdue offered up last night. Second rounder. That's why all the second round – that's why you're seeing all these second-round picks, KB. Uh, The second-rounders are the glue and guts guys. KB, what do you think about the Pacers, man? What do you think about this – what do you think about the the, the trades and the, the defections and the collections? What do you think? Yeah, I was I, I was good with it. I think perimeter defense is still a huge worry of mine, huge. But, um, you know, when you look at the second unit, I think something that is missing is just a little bit more shooting. Uh, T.J. McConnell is not one that's going to be high on the scouting report from a shooter standpoint, and Benedict Matherin is certainly more of a driver than he is a perimeter shooter at this point in his NBA career. So I think if he can kind of open up some of that, and Jordan Wara is, is known as that. Again, I mean, I've seen him light up. Notre Dame way too many times and I mean I remember a game earlier this year uh Bucks Pacers where he was certainly in double figures off the bench uh so I, I get that move I think it's you know it's a reminder of Kevin Pritchard's done a really nice job of putting the Pacers in a position to where they can do something like they did yesterday where on paper everyone's like wait what did they give up you know <laughs> uh, all they did was kind of wave some guys that didn't play and that's again when you have some cap space you're able to do that um, I I like George Hill. I've always loved George Hill. I'll never forget going to his sectional win over Carmel at Carmel and going to his senior night at IEPUI back in the day, a big win over Oral Roberts. Did you ever uh, go to I, one of his games against the IPFW Mastodons? Oh, boy. That, no, I don't know if I did. Did you guys go boxing one on him? 
No, we we had him beat a few times, and then he scored his thirty eighth and thirty ninth <laughs> and fortieth point. Uh, one and nine, I am against Ron Hunter. Ron Hunter owns me. Wow. Changed my last name to Hunter. Mm. Well, uh, don't look now, but Tulane's knocking on the NCAA tournament. They door, sure are. This year. Good win against With, Cincy. Uh, uh, over yeah, under, I, uh, hey Kevin, over under on uh, Matherin's minutes tonight. Twenty uh, three, more or less, after getting thirteen. Yeah. After getting what twelve or thirteen on on Wednesday. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I hope it's over, Vince, but I don't know. I'll kind of hold my breath and believe it when I see it. Because is something know, going as, on? Is something going on there? You know, it, it's interesting. I could see Rick Carlisle you know, doing some things differently and trying to motivate Matherin. I mean, Matherin seems to be very coachable. He seems to kind of embrace that. I mean, the guys have talked about, I think Halliburton even mentioned, like, Matherin literally every plane ride is in the back of the plane with the coaches watching. Mm. And Halliburton's not used to seeing that, especially from a rookie like that. So, it may. I mean, there were moments, certainly the other night in Miami, where, you know, he's losing, you know, a guy on help side. And, and, and you know, he, does, he certainly takes a questionable shot or two, but he also is – very important to get you out of ruts. And I think something Matherin has shown here this season is one bad quarter does not turn into two, and one bad half does not turn into two. And that's that's a pretty rare attribute, especially for a young guy. So I think you let him play through that. Um, I, I did want to mention, again, on, on the George Hill front, as much as I've loved Hill, I, I don't need to see Hill play one minute for the Pacers. Yeah, Like, you know, the, the guy turns 37 later this year. I don't Watch need you, to buddy. see – I just I don't need to see lineups of George Hill, T.J. McConnell, and Daniel Tice mm-hmm. here yeah. down the stretch. I don't think you need you can't lose sight of what the original goal was. And as great as this season has been in many areas, the reality if you do want to play veterans and try and whatever make a run of the playoffs, right now you're twelfth in the East. You've yeah. lost thirteen to fifteen. You haven't won a road game since before Santa went in the air Christmas time. I mean, this is a struggling basketball team and in the standings right now, you got a long way to go if you're going to get into the top six, get out of the play-in. So I still think one major piece is needed. Got to come through the lottery next year. And um, I I will go to answer your question because I've gone very roundabout. I I hope over, but I'll go slightly under. I'll say 21 minutes. Yeah, and and one game, you know, they, they play so many. In one game, I, I don't make a big deal out of a guy having an off night. I mean, Halliburton had an off night at Miami. I don't expect him to have an off night tonight. I mean, I you know those they, those happen. I mean, everybody's human. But three of the last four in single digits, so unusual compared to what we've seen from him. And just didn't know if maybe he was a little fatigued. I couldn't believe he. You know, I, I just I was confused. And uh, Rick didn't really address it, at least that I heard uh, after the game in Miami about why he didn't go to Matherin. I think he just he referred to it as a coach's decision. Uh, would have liked to have had a little more insight into why. Um, but uh, I, yeah, just uh, it's confusing. I, I think that he's obviously one of the best players on the team, right? I mean, yeah. And it, yeah. why do you keep one of the best players on the team? on the bench unless there's an issue thing it's to your point Vince it's not it's not just long term it's also in the short term I mean right here right now he's one of your best players and I actually think if there is and I've heard this before if there is kind of an NBA comp to him and I know it's not apples to apples but some people have mentioned a, a Jimmy Butler style to his game 
Well, I think playing against Butler, who was doing some Butler things, I mean, scoring, but also antics go with that. I think exposing Mathern to that on the floor is great because he gets a different side of a guy that clearly, you know, prides himself on what being a quote-unquote alpha out there. And I think that would, you know, help growth, development, all of those things. And while it is one game to this point, you know, 13 minutes, I mean, just last week against the Lakers, I think he had played to that point. I think he only played like 19, I want to say, in that game. And that was like the second lowest he had played all season. So since Halliburton has been back, the minutes are much less than they were when Halliburton was out there pre-injury. Yeah, and I don't really see why. I don't, I don't see yeah. why. It's not like they're playing the same position. No, and, and you know, if you look at what he did before Halliburton got back, he was carrying you. I mean, he had five straight off the bench of over 20. So, a little confused on that. So, again, love George Hill. Uh, don't need to see George Hill, T.J. McConnell, Daniel Tice grinding out second unit possessions together. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the moves the Pacers made um, yesterday, unless Nwora ends up being a big surprised from what i would anticipate uh it's almost a a wash but uh can't can't you see jordan george hill being just a veteran leader Who who's the big hoss at miami that they've kept that's Udonis haslam haslam that's, from a mentorship standpoint I mean, yeah i mean I, i'm seeing like yeah. a mentor yeah. like a sure you know, vince but, and i vince is kind of way you jake, mentor me. jake taylor um major league <laughs> the old gritty catcher that played in the yeah. the mexican league a I year a ago and um yeah i really see it as that that can come in and that can just slow your team down regroup okay here's what we got to do we got to get miles the ball we got to get benedict the Isn't ball that kind of get him in this position yeah i i think so it's mcconnell's role yeah absolutely i i don't i don't uh but, but I, I mean it, i don't see hill getting minutes over mcconnell well i think they're, yeah. they're different uh, oh yeah different a little but i yeah i'm i'm with you kb on that i i don't uh i i see um george's impact coming off the court and a mentor yeah, yeah mentor, uh how about uh, talking about matchups uh miles turner and deandre ayton tonight i'm looking forward to that yeah sign me up there you know we, we didn't see that a few weeks ago when these two teams met you know i'm curious to see exactly what phoenix looks like tonight i mean they didn't get to downtown Indy until pretty late playing at Atlanta last night. Devin Booker was out due to illness. So exactly what they throw out there, you know, Kevin Durant's not going to play, but yeah, DeAndre Ayton Turner, we've missed out on the Embiid Turner matchups this year. So I would like to see that one. Uh, that well, especially because be they were talking about possibly being traded for one another, you know, sure. the trades and, and uh, those things aren't lost on players. I mean, they, they, Miles Turner knows who's coming to town tonight. I assure you. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, at the start of the year, I mean, outside of Embiid, he probably circled this one in terms of the home games and, and matchups that you're going to see. I don't know, maybe Jokic as well. But, yeah, I mean, if there is a storyline tonight outside of, you know, to me it's not Devin Booker if he plays, it's not Chris Paul if he plays, it is definitely Aiden and Turner. Uh, Jalen Smith did not play against Miami illness. Would you expect him uh, back tonight and available? Yeah, that was odd. He like left the left her in the middle of the game and went to the locker room. So I, I, don't, I haven't seen anything official in the injury report. I don't know. Maybe we've all been there, kind of scrambling for the old bathroom at some point. But, yeah, a little flatulence, uh, I, KB. 
What was the phrase you yeah. used? Oh, oh, never mind. Don't mention that <laughs> phrase you used. Well, don't they call it the Miami flu? <laughs> the Miami yeah. flu. I like that. <laughs> you know, Miami you, flu. You know, That's left over from the night there. before. Is that right? Is that how that works? <laughs> Jalen seems like a very nice, nice kid, by the way, although he was a bit demonstrative in Bloomington one time. But, uh, yeah, that, that really is the only, unless I'm missing one, I feel like that's the only thing, injury report-wise, Indiana to keep an eye on. Uh, here leading into, uh, what, four to go until the All-Star break. Yeah, Pacers and Suns tonight. We're chatting with Kevin Bowen. And uh, before we let you go, a couple of uh, uh, coach coaching uh, items on the Colts side. Albert Breer uh, reporting today that the Colts have informed Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, that he's no longer uh, in the mix. And Mike Silver reporting the same about Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. Uh, either of those surprise you? Uh, maybe a little bit of Callahan. Um, you know, I, I, he was a guy that I liked. I, I really like the quarterback background um, that he has, and he really is the only. Well, I guess him and Shane Steichen, I think, are the only two offensive coordinators that made it to the second interview round, or at least reportedly. So, if you want that offensive head coach, which just look at the track record here recently in the NFL, let's kind of speak for themselves. Uh, you would want one of those two. So, I mean, right now, I. I, I you're going to you know, hand me a $10 chip and say, all right, place it on somebody. It would be Shane Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator. Uh, Raheem Morris would probably be the one that I'd think about next. Um, so we're I, basically I think what we're seeing is we're starting to get some finality to it. I, I still don't expect anything official, official till post-Super Bowl. Um, but right now, if I had to guess, that's where I would lay the $10 chip. Yeah, I would put, uh, those would be my two favorites well, as first well. First of all, Steichen you wouldn't give him and, a $10 chip. You'd give him a uh, dollar chip yeah. max. Oh, I'd put 100 on that no one. No way. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't oh. give it up. You wouldn't give it out to, to I think Steichen's the guy. I mean, I, 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 I like what he brings to the table with the Colts. Um, I not like Jeff one, Saturday. Not letting uh, Gus Bradley uh, interview elsewhere. I think he's going to be the defensive coordinator, and I think they're going to want to bring an offensive guy in, and I think Steichen's that guy. I, mean, I think it just Jeff makes Saturday's too much sense. I'm not, I'm not going away from him. I'm sticking Jimmy's yelling break. Yeah. So, KB, yeah, Jeff are, Saturday's you, the guy, yeah. pal. I, I know you've been all over Saturday. I know Jimmy. Uh, I can feel Jimmy's wrist in the air yelling break. Yeah. Uh, the, I'll, I'll note one thing on Steichen. The quarterback background, I think what you like with him, he's worked with Jalen Hurts, of course, Justin Herbert, and Phillip Rivers, position coaches and coordinators. Those are three accomplished quarterbacks, but at the same time, very different styles. And I think that has to be attractive for a team that's got to make a quarterback draft uh, draft pick coming up here in April. Absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, Kevin Bowen, you hear him on the morning show with uh, Jake Query. Sorry about that, that uh, you got to spend your mornings that way. But Same here. You, you Feel carry, bad for you. You carry the load, KB. Yeah. Uh, well done. Yeah. yeah. If you guys believe in prayer, add me to the prayer list. But it's been a, <laughs> been a fun listen, and uh, you guys have a great weekend. Yeah, Thanks, go buddy. Irish. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Big one tomorrow on Virginia Tech. Good See you. play. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Pacers, we talked with Kevin Bowen about the Pacers and the Suns tonight. Uh, Eddie White, the host of the world's greatest Eddie. postgame show. Hello, Eddie. Oh, boy, this is an honor. Uh, first of all, Vince, one of the, one of the great 
people we've ever had in our market. Uh, just a veteran, Jeez. just a, a guy's guy, a pro's pro. And then you know what, Coach Pipe, this is something I heard. I watched now you game the other night, and the knucklehead Andy Katz is going to uh, interview Coach Woodson at halftime, and he and he starts the interview with Mike. I got to ask you, he calls him Mike. Now, you can call him Mike when you go in the locker room beforehand to schmooze, get some pregame info, your practice. But when you're on air, a coach is a coach forever. Even when he's yep. done coaching. When I see Coach Holtz, who I work for, Coach Shulu, RIP, but when I, even when I saw him after he retired, a coach is a coach. You give him respect, it's a coach. Uh, Andy catches, hey, Coach Woodson, bada bing, bada boom. Do you guys agree? I do agree 100%. I don't. Well, we, 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 I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm asking Vince because yep. he knows what he's talking about. You don't. At, well, I'm just saying from a broadcaster's perspective, I would always have referred to him as coach. I would open my – if I was going to refer to him in some way, shape, or form to open the question, I would have definitely referred to him as coach. But as a coach, you may see that respect and and interaction differently. Do you, Is that why you say that's I, I'd not necessary? Say, I, I just, I get tired of titles. I get tired of, uh, you know, the, all that, that, uh, but I'm not part of your business per se, which I respect Eddie, you and you and Vince and Jimmy as well. Um, but I just, you know, I, I, I no, I'm not going to call you doctor. I'm going to call you your name. Your name's Bob. Your name's Eddie. I'm not going to call you Sir Eddie Knight because you've been knighted. Sure, Ed, I'm sorry. Sure, sir, Sir Eddie White, not Sir Eddie Knight. Right. I'm going to call All you. Right. I'm going to call you Eddie. You're Eddie to me. All right. No, I, I can call you some things that Lewandowski told me to call you, but I'll. Say <laughs> hey, I, I don't care. I, I I don't mind. I know? feel you though, Eddie. Hey, hey, uh, I know, and yeah. we'll talk Pacers here in a minute. But uh, yeah, yeah. your your background initially, I mean, you kind of came not your very first job, but you worked with the Dolphins, and you've done a lot of Super Bowl stuff. And this is around the weekend. This is the weekend in the NFL. But uh, what's it like being a PR guy for a team at the Super Bowl? I got to believe there's there's madness involved in all of that. Uh, when I was with the Dolphins, it was always a dream because the, the, the city where the Super Bowl goes, we saw it when we was here in Indianapolis, and I speak on as someone who has worked, I worked 26 Super Bowls in one capacity or another for the NFL, and to see a city uh, for a week, just it, it's your team logo everywhere around that city and the other team's logo. It had to be like the greatest feeling in the world. Of, you know, you work all year with these guys to promote your team, and you work with them, you know them, you know their moms, their their wives, their dads, and then you get to a place like Arizona or Indianapolis, and there's your logo. I'd love and to it's see my everywhere. team's logo. It, it, <laughs> You'll it, never it, see the Lions logo. Dane. I would I mean, love to right. see my team logo, Eddie. <laughs> you know, one time. The thing is, you know, it, it, I've had a lot of different worlds here. Notre Dame, the Dolphins, Reebok, Puma, Logo Athletic. Uh, we always said we were in the license business. The best-selling Super Bowl of all time for us would be the Cleveland Browns versus the Detroit Lions. <laughs> because, be, and because, they're, because they've been around for so long, they have generation, 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 generation that's been passed down. And a lot of people from Michigan and, and, and Ohio have moved to Arizona, Florida, whatever. And those fandom and those, those those fan bases are huge. If they could ever get there and play each other, they would, it would be the hottest and most the most expensive Super Bowl ticket in the history of Super Bowls. You bet. And they'd be well represented in Bloomington, Indiana, too. The Lions, yes, as would the Lions. It, the, this point in the weekend, though, you know, none of the players are doing interviews or any of that. So the PR guys, he's not having to worry about 
the players at this point unless they get in some sort of trouble, which has happened before. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, at this point the PR guy's just kind of putting out, uh, sitting in the idle to make sure a fire doesn't pop up or, or what? Well, no, I mean, I, I think you're, you have a pool reporter at your practices that you have to work with, and then the coach still has responsibilities. I mean, there's so much broadcasting. It's not just the network, but there's, uh, you know, the, the national radio network. I believe it's Westwood or whatever it is, um, or ESPN that, that will do it. And, you know, you, those top players and coaches still have to have, you know, the, the meetings with the talent to talk about the game coming up. And those are scheduled later in the week also. But, you know, the interesting thing is you've heard stories over the years of teams switching hotels the night before a game. And I've heard nightmares. You know, you stay all week and then Friday or Saturday night they go somewhere else to get away from the stuff. I thought Sean Payton at the Saints had it figured out the best when he stayed in the same hotel, never moved. He just booked other rooms on uh, other floors for his players to go spend the night before so they were away from family and distractions and stuff like that. But I remember John Fox, when the Carolina Panthers, he took them to Super Bowl in Houston against the Patriots. The night before, they go to a hotel like, an hour away from Houston, and they're in a hotel. He said, no room service. The beds are horrible. Our guys got up the next day. They didn't sleep. They were miserable. So it was the worst thing I've ever done. And I, he goes, and I, if I ever go back to the Super Bowl, I won't change uh, rooms. I'm going to stay in that hotel. We're not going to change. When he goes to Denver, he takes Denver to the Super Bowl. They go play in New Jersey. And what does he do? He changes the rooms. And what do they do? They got whacked by Seattle by like a million points. So the, the, one of the biggest factors that nobody talks about is that night before the game, the hotel room, whether to switch to hotels or stay in the original hotel. Mm. These are the things that keep coaches up all night. That's for sure. I'm going to ask you a couple of I'm going to quiz you a little bit, Eddie. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, the NFL team, the Chiefs, obviously, in the Super Bowl. The NFL team became the Chiefs when which team moved to Kansas City? You talking about the Dallas Texans? Oh, well done. Oh, wow. Well done. And and the Texans, what's, what's interesting, the Texans won the AFL title and then like months later moved. Jeez. Yes. Yeah, the AFL was a fun league. I mean, that was a that was you know Kirk Gowdy, Albiro Goddess. I mean, I'm, I'm 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 putting my age out there now, but we had Lance Allworth and John Hadle in San Diego, and it was you know the the, the thing that made the AFL was when uh, Joe Namath came out of Alabama, and the uh, St. Louis Cardinals drafted him, and they they thought they were, he was going to go there, and he spurred them to sign for four hundred thousand dollars, which was unheard of then, to play for the New York Titans, which became the New York Jets, and then a couple of years later he went the most important game, Super Bowl three, when uh, his his uh, Jets upset the then invincible Baltimore Colts. What they were seventeen, eighteen point uh, favorite mm-hmm. in Super Bowl three, and that that led to the merger, and the rest is history. And how about this one? The Super Bowl winner, of course, gets the Vince Lombardi Trophy, but before the trophy, before then, the trophy had a different name. Uh, it was just I, was it the NFL Championship Trophy? Because it was, it wasn't a Super Bowl one and two. It was, wasn't a Super Bowl. <laughs> the three, Alex Ram. Alex Ram. The World Professional Football Trophy. Okay, because wasn't it called the the? It was the, the first wor- two Super Bowls, the because, World Professional, and that yep, the World Professional Football Trophy, and it was only changed. Uh, Lombardi obviously died in '70, and they they changed the name of it. I mean, should they change it to the Belichick Trophy now? I mean, <laughs> he's, he's won a lot of them, or maybe the Brady Trophy might be more appropriate. 
Patrick Mahomes was the MVP. We've heard some people say that maybe the MVP award should be renamed as the Tom Brady uh, Tom Brady Award. Can we put something to rest here? I've heard arguments. The first, the greatest quarterback of all time is Tom Brady. Yeah. There's no doubt. We there's no debate. It's like greatest golfer of all time. It's Jack Nicklaus. There's oh, jeez. No so uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to get and, that right through five. So let me. So Brady's one. Joe Montana's two. And then we can start arguing about three on onward. Go ahead. Comment, Coach. Tiger Woods. Joe. I agree. Joe Montana. But but Tiger Woods. It's just. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, how many majors did Jack win? 18. How many Tiger win? 14. Now That's fine. LeBron's going to win another championship. Hold on a second. But MJ's still going to be the GOAT. You're up in a golf tournament. You're runner-up. You're right close to – you could have won another major, right? Tiger finished runner-up five times. 14 plus five is what? 19. Jack finished runner-up 19 times. 19 plus 18 is 37. There's no doubt. There's no debate. Mike drop. Jack Nicklaus, greatest golfer of all time, period, end of story. Now, most influential golfer of all time, that's Tiger Woods. But best golfer of all time, Jack Nicklaus. Tiger has 15, just for the record. Eddie's put some thought into this answer. And you dropped your mic. Pick it back up, please, because now we can talk – MJ, LeBron's going to pass MJ in championships, but MJ's still going to be the GOAT. Do you think LeBron's going to win another championship? Oh, yeah. He's got another 10 years. <laughs> another 10 years. <laughs> you got to wait till Bronny comes yeah, out. I don't, right? I know, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see LeBron winning another championship. He well, might score another 10,000 points, but he might. But I don't think he's... Uh, his, his agent is the most powerful agent in the game. Yeah. They're going to bring him the right players, and he'll make it happen. It'll he be, may be an agent himself by that time, but nonetheless, a player agent. Is it possible, Eddie? For player Bronny? Yeah, uh, maybe anything, anything's possible in today's world, Coach. Anything. That's a good point. All right, here's another one for you. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP, named MVP last night. The last nine, and this you gamblers want to pay attention to this, Jimmy. Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy, the MVP. The last nine reigning MVP winners who played in the Super Bowl that year, all lost. Might as well not play the game. I, I wouldn't. Guess I'd just over. cancel it. Guess there's no shot now. I'll probably I'll go home. 1999, Kurt Warner, the last one to, to win MVP and win the Super Bowl. See, that gets me. Didn't Aaron Rodgers win two of those back-to-back, and they, he didn't even get to the yep. Super Bowl, right? Mm, right. So, the I last... mean, how, how valuable are you if you can't even get your team to the Super Bowl? Yeah. How about Aaron Rodgers? More drama than he's worth, or you take him with all the drama? Listen, I defer. What drama? I, said, I don't know anything, but I know people who know stuff. When the Gilbrants and guys who built Super Bowl teams uh, tell me there aren't enough quarterbacks playing today to take to fill all the rosters, I mean, the, the, the days of, of Elway, Marino, and Jim Kelly coming out in the same draft are over. Yeah. Uh, there are only a handful of quarterbacks. So, you know what? If the guy's a little temperamental, he's a little nuts, but he's still got an arm and he can still fit your offense, yeah, you put up with you take him, and you go try to win some games. So, the dark, you know, even though he's in going to the dark retreat, you still take him. Yeah, yeah I do. You, 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 I you do. Build a bat, if he's still Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Build a bat cave at the training camp and let him let him live in the bat cave. What do you care? As long as he wins <laughs> it's games. Better than the alternative. I think Rodgers is better yeah. than most alternatives. Yeah, exactly. But he's relatively young too, so I mean, I, well, I, I know, take a flyer on him. Eddie, I'm going to defend the quarterback position, being a quarterback myself. You know, in front of every quarterback is a what. <laughs> Center. It's a hell of an offensive line, you know. Yeah. So there's there's probably not enough quarterbacks because there's not enough offensive lines, you know, like the Colts this year. There's so many injuries. No, 
that's ridiculous. No. If you look at if you look at major college football, the, the one of the few. The first of all, you, you open up a nice Pandora's box here. Well, the few positions that today's college football players got uh, guys to play on Sunday and Monday is the offensive line. There are a lot of positions. Tight end is one. Uh, defensive back could be argued as another. Where the old days when Bud Wilkinson and Woody Hayes were coaching, guys were prepared each position so they could easily move in and play that position on Sunday and Monday, meaning pro football. Now it's the money's so great in college. Guys are making so much money. They don't care about Sunday and Monday. They care about them winning. And one of the few positions that NFL people will tell you that's being groomed to play pro is the offensive line. There are very good offensive linemen out there. You need to get them and you need to coach them up. It's very simple. And well, then maybe the coaches basketball. are the problem. Jeez. Maybe it's maybe it's not the offensive lineman. Then I, I said offensive line. I didn't say offensive lineman. Lomas Brown was a great offensive lineman, but they couldn't keep people off Barry Sanders, Dave Craig, and Eric Kramer and Scott Mitchell. Hey, why did that great receiver uh, retire so early up? And if we're talking, if we're going down Lions, probably offensive line. <laughs> offensive line. We'll ha- we'll have another. Uh, we'll have you on another time and break down the Lions' uh, history of Wait, failure. We got, uh, we got uh, Wayne. We got Wayne Fonts on line three. <laughs> Wayne Fonts. Hey, everybody. I've been on the bring back Wayne train forever. Uh, Eddie is the host uh, of the world uh, famous post game show for the Indiana Pacers. In fifteen seconds or less, Eddie, tell us why the Pacers win tonight against Phoenix. Uh, I think we got the better roster taking the court tonight, so I think we get the W, and uh, you know, get keep things rolling. I mean, I, I like what Kevin Pritchard's doing. It's young. We know we're rebuilding. Okay, nobody promised the championship this year. I like the way things are going. It's going to be fun, and you're right. Tonight, world's greatest post game show, right here on this <laughs> channel later tonight, baby. You did it. <laughs> Way to go, Eddie. That's remember, awesome. you don't come to Indiana for the name on the back of the jersey, Fife. You come to play for the name <laughs> on the front of the damn jersey. Just get that right. That's right, Eddie. That's We can agree on that. Yeah. Right, well, Thanks, buddy. You. Appreciate he's you. He's awesome. Eddie's That's awesome. Eddie White, host of the God, he's awesome. World-famous post-game show, the Indiana Pacers and the Phoenix Suns uh, tonight. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome, Mike Chappell, onto the program. And, of course, it's a big NFL weekend. You've got the Super Bowl going on, Kansas City and Philadelphia. But, obviously, fans here in Indianapolis are, I don't know if they're more concerned, but I would say the majority are more concerned with uh, what's happening with the Colts. Probably won't know that officially until uh, after the Super Bowl. But, Mike, we did see Albert uh, Albert Breer and uh, Mike Silver with a couple of reports indicating that Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, and Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale are out as candidates um, for the Colts head coaching position. Surprised by those uh, reports at all? Only that they got out. The Colts have done such a good job of keeping, keeping things in-house. And, and this Damn. didn't come from the Colts. I, I, I'm Pretty sure that this is where you tell the guy, and whether you tell him or his agent, and then it gets out. The agent gets it out, the coach gets it, gets it out. So that's the only thing I'm surprised about, and we'll probably hear another one or two uh, in the next day or two. Where do the? And you've done this for so long. Uh, 
where do the leaks most often come from? Agents. Mm. Almost always agents. I mean, because... And why? Because they want to keep their Uh, client's name out there? Or what's the advantage to that? You know, Arizona still has an opening, so... You know, it, it tells yeah. Arizona that this guy's now available right. or, or some other job. It, it does it does the coach and the agent no good to keep his name out of out of the news. It's just, you know, my guy's now available. And whether or not they're – I think Callahan might be in contention in Arizona. Uh, so it, it always – all the years that I've done this, it's, the agents are really good to work with as long as they need something from you. I mean, it, it's crazy how if I need something over the years that I would call an agent and seldom, not all, not never, but seldom get back with you until they need something. And then they're easy to get a hold of. And that's just the way it works. So, you know, it doesn't surprise, it only surprised me that, that it waited this long to get out. And I, I would kind of expect another name or two to leak that they're out of the running. I personally think the Colts know who they want. Uh, I just do. It's that far in the process, and they, to some extent, want to wait until the Super Bowl's over. Whether that's because the guy they want is Philly's coordinator, and and they can't hire him until after the game, or they want to go with someone else, Raheem Morris or someone else, and they don't want that to be overshadowed by the Super Bowl. I don't know, but it's really kind of crazy to think that we're this deep into it. And they're still paring it down to these two or three guys. I think they know they're just waiting for the right time to announce it. What did it tell you that the Colts didn't want Gus Bradley, the Colts defensive coordinator? What did it tell you that they did not want him interviewing elsewhere? That they wanted to stay. And that, and that I think I saw a report either nationally or maybe Zach Kiefer mentioned that, that, that three or four of these candidates said they would like to keep Gus here. Uh, and there's there's already going to be massive coaching turnover here because of, because you fired your head coach, you fired your your coordinator, and a couple other guys have left. Kevin Moai and the tight ends coach. The, the offensive staff's going to be virtually all new. Does Reggie come back? I don't know, uh, but at least if he can keep the defense, the defensive staff as intact as possible. That, that gives you some continuity. And I tell you. Guessing that defense, they were pretty good last year mm-hmm. until they simply wore down from carrying the team and then, then injuries piled up. And a couple of these guys have history with, with, with Gus. I think Raheem Morris says, and I know that Gus and Steichen were together with the Chargers for yeah. two or three years, and that always matters. So I, I think they, they the Colts value Gus, and it would really be a plus to be able to have him because the new coach is going to be so much invested in the offense. He just is with a new quarterback. So it would really be beneficial to have a defensive coach that you trust and say, okay, you know, I'll have input, but that's your side of the ball. You take care of that and let me do what I do with a young quarterback on the offense. Speaking of young quarterback, Mike, Dane Fife, how are you? Thanks for coming on. How are on. you? I'm tremendous. Uh, what's more important? Getting themselves a great quarterback, young, old, Vince's age, I don't know, or the head coach position. Does one supersede the other? 
In or, my mind, it's a quarterback. It just, it just is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's. I think quarterbacks one, coaches two, and I think there's a decent gap between the two. Uh, I think we saw last year. I still believe Frank Reich's a really, really good coach. I do. So does Carolina. So does Jimmy. But, right. It's, it's just that the way the way the season was and the way this round, well, without yeah. the quarterback, I mean, you just can't do anything. It paralyzes you. Yeah. And so I, you, you, could, you could bring in the best head coach ever in the next week. And if you miss on the quarterback, it just you can fire your coach after two years if, you, if, if it's that bad. Yeah. You're tied to this quarterback when he's a top four pick for three or four years, and if you're wrong, then in three or four years you start it all over again. Yeah, that's so as important as a as a coach is, I think the quarterback really overrides the importance because he's got to be the right guy. Yeah, and and one of the reasons, and I I agree with that, Mike. Um, but also one of the reasons that I like Shane Steichen for that role with that quarterback is that the Eagles. And even though Jalen Hurts is a talented quarterback, I mean the Eagles what were off to a two and five start last year, and they they overhauled the offense instead of trying to take the players they had and make them run the offense they wanted to run. They realized, well, this isn't working. Let's take the offense and build it around the personnel we have. And on the run, they changed it. I mean, midseason, they changed it with Steichen's, and Steichen became, uh, began calling the plays. And I like what they have been able to do in regard Philadelphia in regards to adjusting to their personnel. So regardless of what kind of quarterback you get, you still have to put him in the right system to succeed. It goes back to remember Tom Moore. He said players, not schemes. Yeah, it's always about players. And if you try to, if you're so bullheaded that your scheme is what you're going to run, right? Regardless if that guy fits it, then you're just not going to succeed. So, and again, they're they're going to this is going to be a totally new offense, and you're going to have to have certainly better play from the offensive line and add a playmaker or two. But you've got Jonathan Taylor, who's an elite running back. He just is. So get the right quarterback in here, and you're going to have to. One thing that people sort of forget is they're going to have to bring in a veteran quarterback to sort of be that. You know, I hate to use the word bridge because we've had about three bridges the last three off seasons that, that haven't worked. But I think it's crazy to think that this top four quarterback is going to be the starter from day one. Right. So you got to have somebody, whoever that's going to be, the Andy Dalton types, or you know, people like that, Mariota. To, to get you to win that quarterback's ready. So it's kind of like, I just think it's kind of important. It's kind of like Vince is my quarterback right now. He's my bridge. There you um, go. Until I can Everybody needs a bridge. That, that tells you how bad a shape Dane is in, I think, <laughs> is what that indicates. Um, is it one of the guys that's currently there, Mike, that could be that bridge, or do you see them uh, going outside uh, for that? Let's hear no, this one. I think no, Matt Ryan's <laughs> He's too, in, too expensive to be a bridge. Yep. Oof. You can, you know, that's it's thirty-five million if he's here. You save seventeen million if you cut him, which I think they cut him in the next month. Yeah. Nick Foles, you know, I, I would say no, but but with 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 if a Philly if a Philadelphia guy comes in, maybe. But I I don't know how much he's got left. I'm guessing they just get rid of both and start fresh. I, I realize Sam Ellinger's still here. I don't think he's the bridge at all. Jimmy Garofalo. But if you're doing that, then you then why are you drafting a guy four? I yeah. 
because he's what is he 29 30 young enough uh, pretty pretty tough injury yeah and then, and then you know you, you kind of have right. to keep that in mind the guys that have been injured tend to keep getting injured yeah so so yeah it, it's going to be interesting how they handle this but they're gonna have to bring in a that, that mid-level veteran Hey, to, to, it, to help next season, not just kind of start off really bad and get worse. Yeah. So I I I, I uh, put Eddie White in his place earlier about offensive lines. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're welcome, Indianapolis. You sure are welcome. <laughs> so, uh, I, offensive lines are set play such a pivotal role. Where where does where do the Colts stand? Um, I know there were some injuries last year, and that played a role in you know Matt Ryan and the rest of the quarterback issues. But it's such a big deal. Can the Colts provide enough of a front line to take care of their QB? I don't know. I, I wish I could tell you. The yeah. first thing, though, injuries didn't play a role in it. They were healthy. They, they were healthy. The, the changes, eight or nine starting combos, were because of performance. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, everybody had Nixon. But, but, no, it wasn't like somebody missed four games with, with, with yeah. a sprained knee. So, But, yeah, it's got it's got to start there and – you know, left tackle is Bernhard Ryman the guy? He looked like he might be, uh, but boy, Quentin Nelson's got to play better. Ryan Kelly's got to play better if he's yeah. back. Uh, Braden Smith, I, I thought Braden generally played pretty well last year. Braden had a great game last night. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I saw that. Whenever <laughs> whenever I see that, I'm thinking, what? Yeah. I, I'm brain, the more yeah, you can do, the better, you yeah. know? So, so do you think that the Colts line is more than adequate, or at least adequate? Oh no, not not. I mean, they weren't adequate last year. They they right. had their moments. Yeah. No, but 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 maybe it is if if with Bernard Ryman having another year, okay. having that year, and get guys back on track. They did those guys. Those three guys just. They, they, it's just strange that they all get bad at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so, but you have to. You you can't just totally remake the line. You can't right. cut Ryan Kelly for cap savings and. I can't imagine what you can do with Quentin with his contract, mm-hmm. but you just you just can't flush it and start over. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just you just can't do that. And yeah. you know, drafting drafting a quarterback first, you, you might have to give up your second round pick to trade up to, to, to get in position to get your guy. So you're limited. So you just have to really have faith and trust that the line's going to get better because they have played well before. Those three guys have been elite players at the positions before. Uh, and, you know, hope you can get a right guard to play better and get Bernhard to play better. And then it's probably not too bad. But, boy, it cannot play it the way it did last year because that wasn't nearly good enough run blocking or pass protection. Yeah, not too bad isn't good enough. <laughs> I mean, in the no, NFL, I mean, it's, it's just not. not. Hey, uh, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor earlier um, had right ankle surgery late January. Uh, no reason to believe that he won't be 100%, right? Yeah, I mean, he was with all that he said was going on in his ankle. He had a, two or three pretty good games, yeah, and, and and the other ones were okay. So yeah, I think there's every reason to believe he'll be fine. Any the reason? Problems, oh, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Well, the, the the troubles he had this past year, they weren't his. It, it was the line and the lack of a passing game. So I thought even with his injury, 
he played at a, at, a, at a Pro Bowl level. It's just that the injury and the line kept him from being as effective as we saw the previous year. He He's eligible for a contract extension this summer, isn't he? Yeah, he and Michael Pittman both are. Would, Good luck with that. How do you, yeah, how do you see that playing out? Uh, well, Michael Pittman's going to be paid as a top, I don't know, 10, 15 receiver. So you're talking $20 million a year. I, I don't know. They, they've not shown that type of inclination to, to invest that heavily, free agent-wise or money-wise, in, in receivers. A running back might be a little bit easier, although their their shelf life is not as long as others. But give Jonathan Taylor a, a three-year deal and see. But this is when you normally do it. They've got so many moving parts going on right now with the quarterback and the receiver and the running back. And th- those can be foundations if the money's right, especially with Michael Pittman. If he wants, you know, the $25 million a year money, I, I'm i not sure the Colts pony up that much. But that was if a he's pun. reasonable, whatever that is, and the Colts are reasonable, they can get that done. Speaking of receivers, uh, Reggie Wayne uh, and Dwight Freeney both were up for Hall of Fame selection and did not get in. Did that surprise you at all? Well, since I'm on a Hall of Fame selection committee, I knew <laughs> I knew three weeks, weeks ago what was going on. Uh, I told you Freeney, we should have had Mike on three weeks ago, fellas. <laughs> well, but he, he wouldn't have said. He yeah, he would have. He's loyalty. On every week. All I could have done is, as I told someone else. I could like Shut your blink mouth, twice dude. if they got in, <laughs> and you guys could if you can see through the phone, you would have known. But <laughs> Freeney, not so much because of his first year, but this was Reggie's fourth year, and we've just got to we meaning the Hall of Fame, we've got to find some way to get break this receiver deadlock because it's Reggie and Tory Holt and Andre Johnson, and they're all very similar as far as careers and and all that, and it's kind of like what's your flavor. But the problem is each one is, is sort of canceling. They're all canceling each other out by, by taking yeah. votes. And until we can wow. figure out how to break the log jam, it's going to be hard. Well, it's so difficult, too, because the standard of, of what a Hall of Fame receiver is has changed so much as the game has changed. Sure. And, you know, receivers, you know, back in the 70s and 80s that are Hall of Famers didn't catch near as many passes as the receivers are today. But it they're considered Hall of Fame receivers because of the impact they had on the game at that time. And, I mean, it's it's a bit of a moving target as to what gets you into the Hall of Fame if you're just looking at it from a statistical standpoint. Yeah, if you're like Reggie and you played, what was it, 13 or 14 years and, and you're pretty good, you're going to pile up numbers. Hmm. The, the stat that I always use, and it's falling on deaf ears with the Hall of Fame people, is there's only two players that, that rank top 10 regular season and postseason in receptions and yards, and it's Jerry Rice and Reggie Wayne. Yeah. I mean, when you're on that kind of a short list, it tells you something. So why, so why, from those that are other voters that you uh, interact with, what's the argument against him getting well, in? Well, some of it is, okay, the Colts have already got three guys in from the 2000s, you know, with, with Peyton and Edrin and, and Marvin. And, you know, they only won one Super Bowl. If you guys were that good, you know, why you only win one? That, that's that's one. The other is that Reggie played with, with primarily with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and Andre Johnson's best quarterback was Matt Schaub. You know, well, that's that's not Reggie's fault. <laughs> it's right. just not. Uh, and, and like you said, it's, it's a proliferation of, of stats. It, 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 that's a factor. 
But it's just this is what we're dealing with, and it's you're trying to compare a Reggie Wayne with a with a, with a DB with a linebacker with an offensive lineman, and it's just hard. And when we've got three receivers, I went through this several years ago when we had Marvin, and we had Andre we had Andre Reed, Marvin, and Tim Brown all in that log jam. Wow! And Marvin had I'm still stunned that Marvin wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. He had to wait for Andre Reed and Tim Brown, and in his third year, Marvin got in. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just the way it is. But Reggie is, and, and Reggie's also again he's he's a little bit hampered by well, you know, you had Marvin Harrison over there on the other side. Well, yeah, but Marvin had him. Mm-hmm. So you know, you can always find something if you if you're not in favor of a certain player. Uh, but I, I just look at you just look at the resume and look what he did over a long period of time. And Super Bowl, All-Pro. So I, one of these years he'll get in. I, I'm convinced he'll get in. If, if we go by wait your turn and who's next, then the order should be Torrey Holt, Reggie, and Andre Johnson. But it, it's just hard when the three guys keep eating up votes so nobody gets enough votes to advance. Do the Colts have a player on their current roster that's a future Hall of Famer? Oh, boy. Uh, Quentin, maybe, with the All-Pros. Pro Bowls have gotten to be less important because the, getting to the Pro Bowls, I mean, is, is just really – it's easy. It's it's not as important. All-Pros are big, and Quentin's got, like, what, four All-Pros? You know, he's got to play another eight to ten years. Explain the difference, Mike, between – because I think some people might be confused that, oh, you mean Pro Bowl and All-Pros not the same? Well, Pro Bowl is it's fans, players, and media. I don't, I, I don't really vote for Pro Bowl anymore. But, but it, it's it's three, three. It, it's a third. All Pro is it's it's the people who do the MVP and Player of the Year and all this stuff. The AP voters, that's who vote on All Pro. So it's I, I tend to I, I tend to put more more you know, insiders. Yeah. Yes. Who who at least who at least know what they're doing. Everybody has biases, but I think there's less with that. The Pro Bowl. I mean, who, who was the Baltimore quarterback? Tyler Huntley. Yeah. He, he was a fourth alternate. And he went to the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so I I don't put a lot of stock in that. I Pro All Pro is a big deal. Do you have a pick for the Super Bowl? I like Philly. I just, I like their. I think they're going to. The defense is going to get after Mahomes, and uh, it would be nice to have Steichen come here as the Super Bowl mm-hmm. winning head head you know coordinator. The worst thing would be if they want if they want Steichen, and Philly goes out there and lays an egg on offense. That would be a bad luck. Yeah, because but, uh, is in your mind is Steichen the front runner? To me, it is. It yeah. just makes sense. I mean, yeah. they, they could have named Raheem Morris. Yesterday or today or Wednesday, yeah. because because he's he's he, you can hire him right away. You can't hire Sykin until after the Super Bowl. That's you just connect the dots, but they could go any number of like five ways right now. And I just want him to end it so we can move on. If you uh, go to a Super Bowl party, Mike, what's this? And you have to take a snack. Uh, what do you have a particular go to? Take a snack with you. Yeah. You know, to a Boy, Super Bowl not, party. 
I've never had that before. You got you got something in mind? I no, I was just I didn't know going. if you had like a go to snack that you would take as a, you know as a <laughs> you know you go to a Super Bowl party you can't come empty handed. What would you take? Oh, you mean like like here in Beach Grove? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not a big I'm not a big exa- exotic guy. I'd take some some nachos and cheese and just sit in my little corner and watch the game. And yeah. God, he'd be a fun guest to have at the Super Bowl. <laughs> See, I don't even I, – I, if I go to the Super Bowl party, i got to be gone by game time because I want to watch the game, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and fortunately, my, my wife's the same way. She she wants to watch the game, so it's no problem to leave the party early to get to the game in time. Yeah. But you got to take some. What would you, Dane? What, what you, I you do the go same to thing. Snack, have your, you have a go to snack. Uh, the pigs in the blanket. Oh, that's you know good what one. those are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm a big fan of having my own bathroom. You know, just at my own expense. I don't like going to other people's bathrooms in between quarters and all that. Mike, you know what I'm talking about? I understand. I'm I'm on there with you. I'm not in the bathroom with you, but I'm on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't have. To, yeah. Interesting uh, <laughs> bathroom story in relation to the Super Uh-oh. Bowl is, uh, of course, the year the Colts uh, and Bears played in the Super Bowl down in Miami and the uh, the big media, you know, where uh, the convention center where all the media gathers, Radio Row and this, that, and the other. And uh, it was the day that uh, at Super Bowl week, and I presume they still do this, the musical act always does a press conference. Yes. Uh, and um, that year it was Prince. Mm. And I happened to be in the restroom. Oh, that's great. And oh, the, really? Great no, story. no, here we are. I'm at the urinal. And a big guy comes in and says, uh, hey, you need to finish up. Oh, boy. And I said, well, I'm, you know. See, so old pinch of, it off. I'm in the middle yeah. of, you know. Pinch it off. Can you, yeah. you know, number one, yeah, 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 I'm yeah, in the middle yeah, of this. Yeah. Number two, why? Right. And he says, because Prince needs to come in and use the restroom. <laughs> and he couldn't come in or wouldn't come in while somebody that's else was cool. in there. So I had to, you know, finish Is up my business. Is that the most famous guy you've ever passed? Uh... Prince on the way, uh, on the way out. Would Prince, you, uh, you little guy. Him? Did you acknowledge little guy? Him? No, Prince? little. He was. You don't look at him, evidently. Uh, I looked, but he was not. Uh, he was not going to. Uh, I would have looked. Exchange no eye. eye no, no eye contact. Oh. But I looked. You know, I mean, he's a. But he's a little dude. Yeah. You know, standing behind a couple of big guys. But I uh, had to get out of the bathroom so he could go in Still there and do his the business. Great halftime shows. Uh, the best. Is that right? I think. Really. I mean, I'm not. You know. You know, Mike, and I, I tweeted something out about this one because uh, it was somebody tweeted something about uh, on this day in history, Super Bowl history or something. And it was the Prince halftime show. And I right. said what I thought was amazing about that. And I've not seen them all. Of course, you see, you know, you watch on TV or whatever. But it was a stadium show, but somehow it felt intimate. Mm-hmm. He yeah. he made it feel like it was a smaller venue than it was. And it was absolutely phenomenal you guys sound like you went to a michael bolton or celine dion concert the way you two guys are talking <laughs> what was amazing this the amazing story i heard was that you know they're getting ready celine you know dion. second quarter's going on they say okay we're about ready to go out there and they said now listen prince it's i guess you say prince not like mr prince but hey <laughs> call him prince raining. mike you've earned it it's raining is is that a problem he says can you make it rain harder Ooh. Oh. so that that was it was it was just you know purple rain yes and, and, oh, and raining it was just outstanding, and oh, I, you know, I, I watched it from the press box. I was driving my wife and daughter and stepson watched it outside, so I enjoyed it what? more than they did. Yeah, Jeez. it was it was awesome. It was awesome. You are too, Mike. We appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Be well, guys. Thank Thanks you, Mike. Insight. Yep.